The secure exchange of health data continues to be an ongoing challenge for many hospitals, doctor offices, clinics, and other healthcare organizations. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Dr. David Kibbe, President and CEO of Direct Trust, a nonprofit alliance that created and maintains the security and trust framework for using the Direct Project for secure email in the healthcare sector. Dr. Kibbe will discuss with us why the healthcare sector continues to struggle with secure data exchange and how those obstacles can be addressed. So now, Dr. Kibbe, you recently testified before a Senate panel, and as you know, Congress has been focusing a lot of attention in recent months on issues such as health information blocking and interoperability. That includes situations such as when healthcare providers incorrectly use the HIPAA privacy rule as an excuse for refusing to share patient information with other healthcare providers, or when electronic health record systems from one vendor is unable to securely exchange health data with another EHR vendor's systems. So now, how would you rate the state of secure data exchange and interoperability in the healthcare sector? And do you think things are as bad as Congress seems to think? And why? I think that healthcare as an industry, and as a very important part of our society, is caught between two somewhat competing pressures right now. And they are both getting stronger at the same time. And one of those is that the memo has gone out that health information exchange needs to be interoperable, meaning that it needs to go where the patient goes, regardless of what organization is treating the patient and regardless of what health information technology is used at that treatment center, even if it's your competitor's uh, medical practice or hospital. The idea here is, is that we can only improve the quality of care if we can coordinate care better. And you can't coordinate care unless people can communicate with one another, and that means that information needs to flow. But at the same time, information that is more liquid, so to speak, more easily transferred or transported between those various parties in healthcare is also more exposed potentially to being hacked or being stolen or having someone's privacy interrupted or breached. And I I think that if you sort of back up to a high enough level, those two opposing pressures and tensions are being felt now by many people in the industry and are being taken up by federal and state agencies, including the, the, the Senate and Congress. What are the biggest challenges that you see right now hindering secure, interoperable health data exchange? And what are the best ways that those challenges can be overcome? I think that's a good question, too. We, we have to understand healthcare data are quite vulnerable and ask the question, why are healthcare data so vulnerable now? What's going on here? And in a word, uh, it is neglect. Um, healthcare as an industry is not taken seriously security in the past to the extent that, that other kinds of industries have taken security and privacy, and it is not bothered to put those security and and components into place that would protect the privacy of that information. Uh, They're trying to play catch-up now uh, very desperately, and I think we're going to be okay, 
But as these major recent uh, hacks have, have confirmed is that information is in these giant repositories and is quite vulnerable to the bad guys breaking into that information and making use of it. It's worse in healthcare than it is in other industries that have hardened their security practices as a result of these hacks. Now what's happening is we're starting to see healthcare institutions and organizations uh, being hacked uh, because they are easier targets. Uh, we're behind a curve. I think in general we're we're getting the message, but we could do a lot better. So with that said, what are the most important steps that you think the healthcare sector needs to take in order to improve the protection of patient data, and where do you think the sector is failing the most? Of course, the most important thing is awareness. Um, taking uh, privacy and security very, very seriously uh, beyond your own enterprise is, is what's needed. Um, we now live in a world where health information as well as every kind of other, other personal information exists in the cloud, so people have to be very wary of the fact that you know, you can put moats around your own information resources, your own servers, but you have to think about everybody else's servers at the same time. Probably the single most important thing that healthcare professionals and healthcare professional organizations could do to guard against uh, hacks at this point would be what's known as multi-factor authentication, meaning that instead of relying on just an ID and a password, which is one thing that you have, the password, we need to move to at least a two-factor authentication so that when you sign on to a, to a network or to an application, uh, you have a password, but you're also using some other number or some other token that you have. Many people understand this and, and already engage in it. Uh, for example, every bank account that I have, I not only put in my ID and my password, but then they send me a six-digit number on my cell phone. That's a very simple example of multi-factor authentication. That would prevent probably, I'm just going to guess, probably would have prevented at least half of the recent uh, attacks if, if there had been multi-factor authentication in place. And the second thing that, that needs to be done, which is uh, very, very important, is to encrypt all data, both at transit, that is data that are moving across the Internet or any connection or any network, as well as when it's at rest. It's one thing to be able to hack into a database and extract data. Um, it's another thing to be able to extract that data that's encrypted and break the encryption. So the encryption algorithms are still extremely strong. They are not hackable, um, even by NSA, according to the best experts. Um, and that's an important second step I would recommend. So now when it comes to secure email and secure health data exchange, what sort of progress are you seeing with healthcare organizations using the direct secure email to exchange data? Direct exchange is very, very secure. It is a form of messaging, uh, which includes messages and attachments, that is both encrypted and identity validated before it can be sent or received. In other words, the data are sent out over the Internet, but never in the clear. The information is encrypted using the most modern cryptography and very strong cryptographic algorithms for encoding that information and hiding it such that if so, it were intercepted over the Internet on the wire, so to speak, people could not make sense out of whatever the message was. But the second important part, equally important part of this is that the identity of the senders and receivers must be known and verifiable at the time the message is sent. So if you think about the sort of 
a double-edged approach that direct exchange takes, encryption plus identity validation, there's a very significant assurance that the party who is sending, the party who is receiving the messages are who they say they are and that the messages cannot be intercepted. One of the things that makes direct exchange so popular and is, and one of the reasons we're seeing it's, it's astronomical growth in healthcare is it is a push technology, and that's very simple. It, it is much easier to move a message from one known entity, which we call relying party, to another known relying party, simply moving the message securely and having assurance that the party who receives it is who they say they are than it is to send an automated query or some kind of automated device-to-device message. That gets really tricky. Uh, For one thing, it starts to involve authorizations, permissions, and consents, whereas the push technology is simpler. The consent and authorizations are handled by the intelligence at both ends of the connection, so to speak, rather than by doing it in an automated fashion. And a matter of fact, that's really sort of a, a logical extension beyond telephone conversations, mail, or fax, none of which are automated in terms of their queryability. And so direct doesn't offer some perfect solutions in terms of this problem, but it offers a very significant incremental improvement. So now health information exchange organizations often handle and store large volumes of patient data. Do you think these organizations might be next in terms of the targets that hackers are seeking? And what do you think these health information exchange organizations should be doing to better protect patient data from hacker threats? I think that health information exchanges per se are probably no more vulnerable overall than are, let's say, a hospital system or uh, an insurance, health insurance company or a group of medical practices. I think all of those entities within healthcare have been somewhat behind the curve in terms of the measures that they have taken to, for example, detect intrusions into their systems. One of the things you might have noticed here is that in the recent UCLA uh, attack, we've been told that it was over a year ago that that attack was started and it wasn't noted for several months. So the, the ability to understand that you're under attack is itself one of the problems that healthcare organizations are, are finding is very, very difficult. The next thing is that they need to be able to, once they understand that they've been under attack, to, to quickly understand what kind of attack has been experienced, who is influenced, and to move very quickly to try and protect those assets and those people after those, those attacks have occurred. And then finally, once the horse is out of the barn, we still have to worry about going forward and protecting the horses that didn't get out. Um, How do we then improve the security? How do we improve the, the, the people and personnel and training so that those assets are less vulnerable in the future? What's next for direct trust? What should we be watching for? Direct trust is very focused on continuing to improve the security and identity assurance of direct exchange. So that's really our number one goal as an organization. There is no finish line for uh, security and good assurance of of trust and identity. You have to keep uh, evolving that. Having said that, we, we are definitely looking at using and leveraging our security and trust framework to new technologies other than direct exchange. Direct exchange right now is limited primarily to messaging and attachments 
It's a very analogous to email. We're now looking at a direct texting capability so that if you have a direct address, for example, you could also participate in texting or chat securely between mobile devices like your smartphones, uh, your Apple iPhone, your Samsung, Android, etc. This is an area that's very important at, because professionals in healthcare use iPads and they use cell phones and they want to be able to move information across them. But their ability to do that securely right now is quite limited. So we're working on that. And we're also working with the folks who are working on FIRE, which is uh, a, a new and very exciting possibility for query between uh, medical information stores. And we're helping that community think about ways in which this basic level of security and trust that Direct Trust has been able to develop and assure can possibly be used by that, that community for the purposes that they have. In terms of direct chat, direct texting, when might we see that? We are well uh, underway. Uh, we have created a, a specification for what we're calling direct texting. For those who are technically inclined, this is a modification of an XMPP protocol that is well-known and well-established. Um, for those who aren't, just think of it as a way of creating a secure chat via your cell phone or your uh, iPad. We think by the end of the year, uh, we will have moved forward to a reference implementation, and uh, that may allow uh, the individual health information service providers within Direct develop their own applications. 2016, early 2016, in other words. Thanks, Dr. Kibbe. I've been speaking to Dr. David Kibbe of Direct Trust. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.